This podcast is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash myth underscore podcast. Robots Radio presents Myth. The podcast where we explore the very soul of the human story. friends welcome back to myth this is your host tom and uh first of all let me apologize for missing last week's episode things were a little bit busy with some other projects and things i was working on and i wasn't able to get an episode out the way that i normally do so first of all let me apologize about that secondly i'm gonna do something different this episode i'm gonna mix it up a little bit usually as you guys know if you've been listening to the show I start out with a story. I craft a story. I take and try to put you in a specific place, in a specific time, in the head of somebody who might be dealing with the topic of the week. And this week, I'm going to do things a little bit differently. Let's have a discussion, you and me, one on one, or at least you and your radio, the guy talking to you from your radio or your, you know, stereo in your car, whatever wherever you listen to me, your headphones. So let's have a conversation here. I have been thinking about a lot of different things lately. There are topics that run through my head all the time about the nature of being human and our experience with the world. And that's, of course, one of the reasons why I started this podcast, because I'm constantly grappling with what it means to be human. And this week, I want to talk about ghosts and not just from the perspective of you know slimer or the ghostbusters or uh, the the haunted dolls uh, there's a conversation that came up with some friends uh in another podcast where we brought up haunted dolls and uh, the origin of this idea of haunted dolls and the fact that there's a museum down in the key west in florida where there is a haunted doll and and these kinds of concepts uh, i'm not really coming at it from that perspective Although that is part of what I want to consider. Let's start with this idea. And this is something that's been, I've been running up against a lot in social media, let's say, and on people's thought. This idea that there are a lot of things that we as humans take to be fact, or at least give probability too. Maybe that's the best way to phrase it because oftentimes when people talk about ghosts, they're not sure. Some people will say, yeah, there's definitely ghosts. I've seen one, blah, blah, blah. Some people will say, no, there's definitely not ghosts. Of course, ghosts don't make any sense. They can't exist. But there's probably the majority of people who lend a little bit of credence to the idea that maybe ghosts are a thing. And usually they come at it from the perspective of, well, there are a lot of people who have believed in it before, which is a logical fallacy, to be clear. It's called Appeal to the Masses, I believe. I believe that's the name of it. I get some of the names mixed up sometimes. But um, the idea is that something is more likely to be true if lots of people believe it is true, which, of course, doesn't hold up logically. Something is true whether or not anybody believes in it at all. It doesn't matter how many people believe it. something is true or not. It, it has no effect on the truth value of the thing. So this is usually where people come from, these points of irrational perception. And usually 
human beings, and I've mentioned this before on previous episodes, often make decisions of belief based on hopes and fears, not on evidence. And if they try to grapple with evidence or they try to come up with evidence, anecdotal evidence about other people who believe it and those kinds of things, then it's usually because they're trying to justify it due to some sort of deep-seated emotional need based on hopes and fears. It's a whole complex situation that happens. It's, it's part of the way the human brain works. What am I getting at here? I'm getting at this idea is so old. This idea of ghosts. This idea of grappling with the undead. The fear of death. These kinds of concepts are ancient. And they go all the way back to some of the oldest civilizations in human history and we don't have a ton of writings from the oldest of civilizations but we do have some and if you remember let's go back to your history classes in middle school or high school remember mesopotamia remember the cradle of human civilization that's usually the phrase that they would use back then well mesopotamia was the or one of the examples of the oldest civilization areas that and Egypt are two of the oldest places where we have civilizations and information that we can access written information. Now that doesn't mean that there weren't other groups of people in other places or even in the same places earlier than that, that had some sort of civilization. This is just what we have access to historically. And so we're looking back to the people of Sumeria, the Sumerians and the Babylonians and those kinds of peoples, pre-Abrahamic religions. And if you're not familiar with Abrahamic, Abrahamic, Abrahamic religions, I don't know exactly the correct pronunciation. I'm sure different people say it different ways. That Those are the three main uh, religions that came from the Middle East and uh, affected the development of the world. And those are Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. And Christianity and Islam today are the two largest religions in the world and historically have affected the majority of the populations of the world outside of Asia. So you have Western society that is connected to Abrahamic religions that goes all the way back to the Middle East. And then those religions and those people were affected by the cultures that came before them. If you know stories of the Bible, then you have the Hebrews being taken away to Babylon and then returning to Israel. These cultures intermingled. People knew stories and shared stories and stories moved around. The gods themselves often were described and came from other places and were borrowed and manipulated for the needs of the individual cultures, um, either pro or against whatever gods were they were interacting with or the cultures they were interacting with. It's a whole big complex thing. But what I want you to take away here is that there are very deep-seated beliefs in our culture today, even among non-religious people, and their origins go all the way back to the ancient Sumerians. We're talking five and a half 
thousand years ago. And the concept of ghosts is one of them. And I find this extremely fascinating because to me, this says something about human beings at a very foundational level. What is it about us and dealing with death and that concept that causes us to, well, let's play with the phrasing here, need the existence of ghosts, invent the existence of ghosts, um, have interacted with ghosts, whatever perspective you want to take on that. So let's go back to the ancient Sumerians. What were ghosts to them? Well, just like today, there are a lot of similarities. Ghosts to the ancient Sumerians were the spirits of the dead. And how did their religion work? Well, they believed that there was the here and now, the world of the living. And when you died, your spirit went to the underworld, the world of the dead. And this idea is common among many ancient religions. Uh, the ancient Hebrews believed in a place called Sheol, again, a place of the dead. It's where the dead went. This concept of uh, going to a heaven or going to a hell when you die, or even a purgatory, if you're you know, Catholic of certain types or in certain times in history, um, are, these are newer concepts. These concepts were not part of the ancient world. When you died, you, you became a spirit. Your spirit lived on, and it went where the dead spirits went. And dead spirits, the spirits of the dead, I guess I should say, weren't necessarily happy. <laughs> they didn't want to be dead. So it was up to the living to bring them food and drink, funerary offerings, in order to keep them happy, to let them know that they were remembered and that they were valued and that the people who are still alive were still providing for them. But what happens when people forget them? Or what happens when a spirit has a particularly tragic death situation going on well then the spirits are unhappy and the spirits have the ability to leave the underworld and visit the place of the living where they don't necessarily belong sound familiar a lot of these concepts are still passed around today now i told you i'm going to do things a little bit differently in this episode so so hang on there. I'm, I'm referencing primary sources and all sorts of things. There's a book called Gods, Demons, and Symbols of Ancient Mesopotamia, an illustrated dictionary by Jeremy Black, uh, Anthony Green, and Tessa Richards. It was published in 1992. And there's a passage in here that I'm going to quote directly. They define the word gidim. The Sumerian word gidim, or in Akkadian, atemu, is... First of all, the spirit of a dead person living in the underworld who must be propitiated and revered. The condition of such spirits is not, in general, happy, and regular funerary offerings of food and drink must be made to them. If not fed, they can become restless and liable to haunt the living. The Gideon is also then the ghost who returns from the underworld to persecute the living. Especially those who had died violent deaths were likely to be unsettled 
in the underworld and to return and seize living persons. They might enter the body through the ear. Magic could be employed against them. Now, remember, in an ancient culture like this, you had, and they weren't necessarily called magicians, but you had people who were spiritualists. You had witch doctors, and that's a terrible name for it, but you had people who could do magic incantations in order to try to remove, say, a spirit from the living. I think you might be able to see where this is going because this concept of living persons being seized by evil spirits goes on to explain a lot of other things that continue throughout history until the time of science. It goes on, and I find this very, very interesting. It says here, necromancy, this is is the origins of necromancy, the deliberate raising of ghosts was known and practiced in Babylonia. Questions about the future could be put to a ghost raised in this way, although it was recognized that this was a very dangerous activity since the ritual exists to counteract the ill effects caused by practicing necromancy. So they they knew that necromancy was bad. And the other interesting thing about this passage is this idea that the dead could somehow see the future, this concept of time, which is somehow related to the place of the dead and spirits, that somehow spirits were either more knowledgeable or somehow could act outside of time in order to know the future. Again, spiritualist movements, the 1800s, these kinds of concepts. If we go back to this idea of the spirits seizing living persons, this idea of disease, and what a timely topic, this idea that disease is a spiritual thing rather than a physical manifestation of viruses and bacteria, those kinds of things. And of course, these cultures were grappling with concepts they, they had no way of understanding. So it makes sense that they were looking for some sort of answer. This finishes up uh, and continues that. Ghosts were also thought to be able to cause some diseases. The phrase in Akkadian, and I, I'm probably going to mispronounce this, kat etemi, literally means hand of the ghost. And it seems to have been a more or less psychological illness. On the other hand, sibit etemi, seizure by the ghost, appears to have had definite physical symptoms. So again, this idea that human beings have been grasping at answers, solutions, reasoning for things happening, but doing it in a way where they're justifying things without evidence and just grasping at what is there. And let's go back to the concept of being human. Being human is about having a fundamental fear of death. There's something in all of us that finds death to be confusing and dark and dangerous. This idea of imagining nothingness, imagining not being around anymore is very difficult. So maybe we're projecting onto that situation and onto ourselves the concept of consciousness and confusing that with a spirit or a soul and then sending that spirit or soul to a place where it can continue to exist. And because we're afraid of death, 
these humans created a world, a realm, a, an existence for these dead loved ones that was dark and unhappy. <laughs> it was not a good, happy place to be. There's an article from ancient.eu that talks about this a bit, and uh, it goes into a little bit more detail and uh, slightly different details than the other uh, book that I quoted. So let's, let's go into that for a little bit, too. It says here, Ghosts in Mesopotamia. In Mesopotamian culture, death was the final act of life from which there was no return. The land of the dead was known by many names. Among them was the Urkala, the realm beneath the earth known as the land of no return. Ironic, right? (laughs) Where the souls of the dead dwell in a dreary darkness, fed off dirt and sipped from mud puddles. This is why it was important for their loved ones to bring them actual food and water. Though there were other visions of the afterlife, such as that expressed in the work Gilgamesh, Enkidu, and the Netherworld. And I love, I love the names Gilgamesh and Enkidu. Uh, I joked about this when I was in college, that I would have a, da- a dog someday named Enkidu or something like this. I don't remember the joke. Anyway, it goes on and says, This existence was the final end for all the living, no matter how great or poor a life they had lived, and it was ruled over by the Dark Queen, Erish Kigal. No soul was permitted to leave Urkala for any reason, not even a goddess, as exemplified in the poem The Descent of Inanna, in which even the Queen of Heaven and Erish Kigal's sister, Inanna, must find a substitute to take her place once she ascends back to the world of the living. Special dispensation, however, was given to souls who needed to complete some kind of mission. Ghosts could appear to people on earth if it was thought that they needed to right some kind of wrong. These appearances usually manifested themselves in some kind of sickness among the living. The scholar Robert D. Biggs writes, The dead, especially dead relatives, might also trouble the living, particularly if family obligations to supply offerings to the dead were neglected. Especially likely to return to trouble, the living were ghosts of persons who died unnatural deaths or who were not properly buried. For example, death by drowning or death on a battlefield. The doctors of Mesopotamia known as the Asu and Asipu employed spells which would placate the ghosts, but before such treatment could begin, the doctor would ask the patient to honestly confess any sins that could have called the ghosts forth from the underworld. Sickness in Mesopotamia, was considered an outward manifestation of some sin that was being punished either by the gods or by the spirits of the departed and was always assumed to be the fault of the one who was ill until it was proven otherwise. Upon one's death, a spiritual entity known as the Giddim was created, we talked about that, which maintained the personal identity of the deceased and traveled on to the land of the dead. It was the Giddim that would return to haunt the living if proper attention had not been paid to funeral rites or burial, or if there had been some unlawful act involved in the person's death. Inscriptions do make clear, however, that sometimes the Giddim could mischievously slip out of Urkala for visits to the earth, or they would harass the living for no good reason. These spirits would be punished by the sun god Shamash, by having their funerary offerings taken from them and awarded to Giddim, who had no one to remember them on earth, so no one to provide them with offerings for their continued existence. 
interesting. There was like a, a loophole here that was able to provide for the Gidim, the spirits that didn't have anyone around to provide for them anymore. Although there are records of loved ones returning from the afterlife with warnings or advice, most of the ghosts of Mesopotamia were unwelcome guests who were sent back to their realm through the use of charms, amulets, prayers, or exorcism. How much of this still resonates today with a lot of people's beliefs of the undead? My name is Brian Burton. It's been 26 years since the bombs fell. And since I've left the vault, I've been trying to rebuild. But this isn't the Appalachia that I remember. There's so much more to everything going on. And I promise to find the answer. So if you're out there, if you're listening, just hone in on these coordinates. Remember, there's a place for you at the end. Omega. The Omega Broadcast Fallout Story is available on iTunes, Spotify, and many great podcasting sources. Of ghosts. This is a concept that hasn't changed very much throughout five and a half thousand years. So to me, that means that this is grasping at some sort of foundational, fundamental truth about either the world or humans or both. So what is that truth? What is that foundational concept? Is it that spirits actually exist? Is it that there is a part of us that goes somewhere when we die and can still come back to haunt the living? Or is there something more foundationally human, psychological about what's going on here? And the thing that I find even more interesting about this concept is that even in a culture that is so influenced by Christian thinking, such a large percentage of the population considers themselves Christian. A significant portion of them actually read their Bibles and, and study these concepts. But there's nothing about this concept of ghosts that makes sense from a Christian point of view. If you have a literal Christian perspective, then when you die, your soul is judged and you go either to heaven for eternity or you go to hell. One or the other. Your spirit doesn't come back. There's no loophole like in these ancient Mesopotamian stories for the soul to inhabit a doll on earth or haunt a loved one because of some unfinished business. Isn't it interesting that these concepts still carry forward even when they no longer match the predominant religion of the people or of the culture? And why is that? Is there some sort of foundational truth there? Is it just in our heads? How does that work? 
I might dig back into this concept again in the future at some point. We'll, we'll have to see. Um, I probably will come back around to it because there's a lot more here to dig into with different cultures and their perspectives of the dead, ghosts, those kinds of things. And let's be honest, I like the creepy stuff. I'm really into creepy ghosts and creepy things. I think that's really cool stuff. So thanks for tuning in again. I hope you guys have enjoyed this more conversational and less story focused uh, presentation. I, I'll probably go back to some stories again in the future. I'm going to try both things out and let me know what you think. I would love to hear your perspectives on this. Um, I think sometimes when we're digging into these kinds of concepts, it actually is a better use of our time to dig into source material and to look more at the actual information that we have than to take you through a story. But sometimes in order to really see the world from somebody else's perspective, we need a story to do that. So I might be mixing those two things together in different ways in creative ways as I continue to evolve this show. So I appreciate your tuning in and your support. And please, if you want to help support the show and help it to grow, I would very highly appreciate that. Please share it with a friend. Please share it on social media. Please put it out there. Please leave a rating and review on Apple podcasts or whatever podcatcher you listen to. And there are other ways you can support the show too. You can sign up on the Patreon. There's a link in the show notes for that, or you, or you could type in patreon.com slash myth underscore podcast and check out what you can get, including ad-free episodes for only $1 a month. Pretty simple thing to pay a dollar a month in order to get ad-free episodes. And there's other levels you can support me at too. So if this is something you enjoy and you want to help me continue to do this full time and show me that this is something that you really, really want, then please consider supporting me financially. Otherwise, the other way you can support me is by checking out our sponsors, which are also in the show notes. That includes Loot Crate and Gamefly. Loot Crate gives you lots of cool stuff in a loot box that comes regularly to your door. And it's all about movies and video games and comics and all sorts of nerd stuff that you can get to put on your desk or shirts to wear or things to put on your walls. And you can get 15% off your purchase on Loot Crate if you click the, click the link in the show notes so they know we sent you and then use the code ROBOTSRADIO. R-O-B-O-T-S-R-A-D-I-O. So 15% off. Make sure you click the link in the show notes. Or you can go to, or and, you could go to <laughs> Gamefly by clicking the link in the show notes for that. And you don't even need a code. And if you sign up for free for 30 days, you can rent whatever movies or video games you want. They will ship them for free to your house. You'll get them back. Uh, you'll send them back. You'll rent something else for 30 days. You can get whatever you want for free. Free rentals, easy to do. Sign up today. You click the link in the show notes, and you don't even have to continue with a membership. You can cancel at any time. And by doing either of those things, then I get a little bit of uh, kickback for sending you guys over there, and that helps support my endeavors as well. So go check those things out. And thank you again for tuning in. I hope you guys have a wonderful week, and I'll be back next week. Talk to you guys later. See ya. Thanks for listening to Myth. If you'd like to send us a note, we'd love to hear from you at myththepodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at podcastmyth. If you'd like to support the show, please tell a friend or leave a review on iTunes. Or if you'd like to help us out financially and experience an ad-free version of the show, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash 
myth underscore podcast. Thanks for listening. And I hope to hear from you soon. You've been listening to a robots radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. In a world where solid-state electronics and vacuum tubes are still meta, people never stop loving atomic-powered everything. A chosen 500 stepped inside a subterranean vault to be spared the nuclear horror of the inevitable Great War. 25 years later, they emerge after the fallout settles to retake Appalachia. Among them, two former rivals whose blood feud will tear West Virginia apart in their epic struggle for survival. Chad, a vault bro who has a strength of 15, an intelligence of two, and is a complete wasteland dickhead. Simon, a complicated anti-hero who chooses light and hope, but accidentally becomes a cannibal and wakes up naked and afraid with a Scorch Beast Queen after a date goes terribly wrong. What? I mean, it's a wild wasteland, right? This dark humor radio drama will have you driving off the road and crawling out from under the fallout. Two men. One wasteland. And so many nukes. Chad, a Fallout 76 podcast. Rated R. Now streaming on your holotape player podcasty thing.